0: Welcome to the Folktale Project, this is Dan Shulls. Today we're rejoining the tale of the White Cat. And so far we've seen a king, in an attempt to hold on to his kingdom just a little bit longer, send his sons off on a journey, a quest, to find the prettiest little dog in the whole world. And whoever finds this dog will become king regardless of whether he is the oldest or youngest. And so, we've been following the tale of the youngest son, as he's tried to find the prettiest little dog in the whole world, and he's ended up in the castle of the White Cat, who is now about to sit down to supper with him, in part three of The White Cat. So, the mysterious hands began to bring in the supper, and first they put on the table two dishes, one containing stewed pigeons and the other a fricassee of fat mice. The sight of the latter made the prince feel as if he could not enjoy his supper at all, but the white cat, seeing this, assured him that the dishes intended for him were prepared in a separate kitchen, and that he might be quite certain that they contained neither rats nor mice, and the prince felt so sure that she would not deceive him that he had no more hesitation in beginning. Presently he noticed that on the little paw that was next to him the white cat wore a bracelet containing a portrait, and he begged to be allowed to look at it. To his great surprise, he found it represented an extremely handsome young man who was so like himself that it might have been his own portrait. The white cat sighed as he looked at it, and seemed sadder than ever, and the prince dared not ask any questions for fear of displeasing her, so he began to talk about other things and found that she was interested in all the subjects he cared for himself, and seemed to know quite well what was going on in the world. After supper, they went into another room, which was fitted up as a theatre, and the cats acted and danced for their amusement. And then the white cat said good-night to him, and the hands conducted him into a room he had not seen before, hung with tapestry, worked with butterflies' wings of every colour. There were mirrors that reached from the ceiling to the floor, and a little white bed with curtains of gauze tied up with ribbons. The prince went to the bed in silence, as he did not know quite how to begin a conversation with the hands that waited on him, and in the morning he was awakened by a noise and confusion outside his window, and the hands came and quickly dressed him in hunting costume. When he looked out, all the cats were assembled in the courtyard, some leading greyhounds, some blowing horns, for the white cat was going out hunting. The hands led a wooden horse up to the prince, and seemed to expect him to mount it, at which he was very indignant, but it was no use for him to object, for he speedily found himself upon its back, and it pranced gaily off with him. The white cat herself was riding a monkey, which climbed even to the eagle's nests when she had a fancy for the young eaglets. Never was there a pleasanter hunting party, and when they returned to the castle, The prince and the white cat supped together as before, but when they had finished, she offered him a crystal goblet, which must have contained a magic draught, for as soon as he had swallowed its contents he forgot everything, even the little dog that he was seeking for the king, and only thought of how happy he was to be with the white cat. And so the days passed, and every kind of amusement until the year was nearly done, The prince had forgotten all about meeting his brothers. He did not even know what country he belonged to. But the white cat knew when he ought to go back. And one day she said to him, Do you know that you have only three days left to look for the little dog for your father, and your brothers have found lovely ones? Then the prince suddenly recovered his memory and cried, What could have made me forget such an important thing? My whole fortune depends on it. And even if I could find in such short time a dog pretty enough to gain me the kingdom, where should I find a horse who could carry me all that way in three days? And he began to be very vexed. But the white cat said to him, King's son, do not trouble yourself. I am your friend, and will make everything easy for you. You can stay here still for a day, as the good wooden horse can take you to your country in twelve hours. I thank you, beautiful cat, said the prince but what good will it do me to get back if I have not a dog to take to my father? See here, answered the white cat, holding up an acorn. There is a prettier one in this than in the dog-star. Oh, white cat, dear, said the prince. How unkind you are to laugh at me now. Only listen, she said, holding the acorn to his ear. And inside it he distinctly heard a tiny voice say, Bow-wow! The prince was delighted, for a dog that can be shut up in an acorn must be very small indeed. He wanted to take it out and look at it, but the white cat said it would be better not to open the acorn till he was before the king, in case the tiny dog should be cold on the journey. He thanked her a thousand times and said goodbye quite sadly when the time came for him to set out. The days have passed so quickly with you, he said. I only wish I could take you with me now. But the white cat shook her head and sighed deeply in answer. And that is part three of the white cat. And in our next telling, we'll see if there really is a dog shut up inside of that acorn and what the king has to say about it. This is Dan Shulls from the Folktale Project. Don't forget that you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Overcast, anyway you'd like to get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Folktale Project. You can find us on Auto Radio, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, anywhere you'd like to listen. And you can always head over to FolktaleProject.com, where you'll find a new story waiting for you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. As always,